And like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back. And this is Salt of the Streets podcast. And today is November 11th, 2018, Veterans Day. The time is 11.42, and it's a Sunday this week, uh, episode 39. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on weekly news, pop culture, and sports built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. Join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. Not as always... We are your hosts. I am Colin. I'm Morgan. And just like you heard it, this week, uh, Don is out hard. He got, he got some kind of stomach bug this week and just, yeah, knocked his ass out hard. So filling in as the special guest slash co-host for the week is the, what did I call you earlier? The the, uh, the powerful, powerful Morgan, a.k.a. the Ginger Ninja. Um, once again, join us in Joining us in studio. And uh, so, Morgan, what do we uh, tell the people what we're going to talk about today? I took notes when you were telling me, so now I know exactly <laughs> what to say. And so I don't mess up. Um, we are going to talk about Jeff Sessions, the former, keyword former, attorney general. The midterm election results, which I was pretty impressed. Also a little sad. Also... Lots of mixed feelings about those results. I can't wait to talk about that. And of course, fantasy football. Always. Because Morgan has all the knowledge, even though my fantasy team is <laughs> tragically not great. Yeah, I mean, you can have all the knowledge, but the draft is the draft and you can't build your perfect you know, team every time, right? I know. And I just feel like the draft this year was, I felt confident leaving the draft and then Week one came around. <laughs> I was like, well, just kidding. This is going to be great. <laughs> and then week one came around. It's like, I have lost more than I have won. And that has never happened to me in all my years of fantasy football. Yeah, sure. I've never sure, lost man. more Whatever than you won. Say, I'm Morgan. telling you, it's the truth. It's the truth. Uh, yeah, because, wait, did you, you guys play last year? You did, right? Yeah. yeah. I came in like pretty third well. last yeah. year. I was worried that Don wasn't going to invite me back into the league because right. I was sleeper, sure. yeah, or the uh, what do you call it? a ringer, like the hustler. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't that good. Nobody last year, knows but, you. you know, You're coming in here to steal all of our money. Yeah, I was worried. I'm actually a little relieved that I didn't win last year because I feel like that would have been way worse, and I wouldn't yeah. have been invited back. But anyways, anyways. Um, Oh, yeah, of course, before we get into all that Sorry. deliciously heavy stuff, uh, just a reminder, reminder to take a second to rate and review the show on whatever platform you're on right now, whether it's Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple, iTunes, Podcast, wherever you are listening to this, give us 30 seconds, you know, do Morgan a favor here, you know, get on there, give her a nice five-star review, you know. Uh, uh, write her a, a nice little note in your review comments. It'll make her feel great. I, mean, I will read now. them. I will read every single one. And that would also greatly help out the show. And of course, I almost forgot this again, but the Salt of the Streets t-shirt right here, if you get in there and you give us a review and you screenshot to that uh, and that review and send it to us on one of our social medias, you'll get $5 off this amazing Salt of the Streets t-shirt. And uh, you can do that by following us on Instagram at Salt of the Streets, giving a like, 
give us a like on Facebook uh, at Salt of the Streets and check out the weekly blog and everything else that we post at saltofthestreets.com. This week, Don did a wonderful mm-hmm. blog post on the uh, – oh, man. I'm going to blank his name. now. I just want to call him JBP, but uh, Jordan Peterson's new book, 12 Rules for Life, he's doing it on rule number seven. And I highly recommend everybody check go to uh, saltofthestreets.com. Check it out. It's a great read. Nice, short, sweet, gets to the point. Very awesome. Um, if you are the type, of course, to enjoy a video podcast and you're not already watching on the YouTubes, you can go to YouTubes and check us out at uh, Salt of the Streets on the YouTubes. And I think with that, that's about it. I think we covered the bases. Trying to keep it a little short, sweet, because it is the opening is getting a little lengthy. It's cumbersome. But uh, I feel like you're winded. Yeah, I mean, I am winded. <laughs> Jeez. And then you know, I'm not really smoking weed today, but uh, just enough to get rid of my headache from all the beers last night. Oh, yeah. That's two. That's two casts in a row. I'm I'm not really hungover though today. I don't feel hungover. I just have a headache. Just the headache. I, instead of drinking water all day yesterday, I drank beer. Surprise, surprise. Shout out to WRB. Yeah, WRB. I there. am. Yeah, hashtag WRB, Western Red Brewing. Yes. Downtown Paul's Boats. You even joined place. the Muck Club. I sure did. So impressed. So I, uh, impressed. We, uh, we didn't do a pre-show this week, uh, mostly because it's Sunday. You know, this is all kind of last minute, short notice, and so we don't have the, the luxury of time today. So we're just going to kind of... We're going to take our usual pre-show, like catching up on the week and vamping. We're just going to inject just it throughout the show. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think we're going to talk about midterms first because that kind of spirals off into, into the uh, yeah, the AG world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to uh, talk a little bit about what we did yesterday. Okay. Because um, we all went out yesterday and mm-hmm. had a, just a fucking great start to the weekend. Yeah. Um, so midterms were last week. It is, it is the 11th again, which, uh, I think I said in the opening, yeah, it's a, it's veterans day. So a, a big hearty thank you to any and all veterans out there from one of your own. I appreciate your service to this country as I understand the, what it takes to at least, you know, do, I mean, I didn't do a full 20 years, but I did almost 10 years and I understand that it's not always an easy thing to do especially if you have a family and you know not to mention if you're a a combat veteran that's a whole nother ball game so huge thank you to all the vets out there who are listening and those who aren't from the salt of the streets i know don would echo my words he's as uh very close ties to the military and his family Mm -hmm. so big shout out to all you veterans out there all you active duty service members reserve national guard all you you're awesome and I love you. I'm going to cheese ball it really quick. Do it I'm up. I'm so honored to be sitting next to my favorite veteran. And where, I where? always take such pride in making you your special baked good every time. And Thank you, you're by just the way. wonderful. And I have mad respect for you. And I think that a lot of veterans, like a lot of the time, we kind of just forget how much of a sacrifice they make for all of us to continue to be. Americans, and I just want to thank you hardcore for doing what you did. And I know it's not easy, and I know there are definitely strains on your family and your life situation. And I just have mad respect 
for everybody and you especially for serving our country. Well, I'm going to try not to cry. Thank you very much. (laughs) I hope I'm really bad. I'm really, really bad at taking a compliment. I know. Dawn can probably attest to that pretty well. We all see it live. I just want to say thank you very much. I know (laughs) I have to do sarcasm and be like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I don't know how to take praise. (laughs) Even indirect praise like that. That's, I know. That's funny. I know. Uh, well, thank you though, Morgan. You're so welcome. And, uh, but yeah, let's, like I said, it's the, uh, midterms were last Tuesday. I actually, st- oh, man, I stayed up so late. Did you watch? Yeah. I watched so much coverage. Yeah. I, I'm such a political nerd like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was watching, um, and I know who I was watching was a rather conservative bunch of guys. Um, cause they all come from the daily wire. So this is Ben Shapiro, Michael mm-hmm. Clavin, or Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin, uh, they as they say, they're uh, they're God King Jeremy Boring. Mm-hmm. He's one of the other owners, and they all get together and they sit there and they drink whiskey and smoke cigars and just you know commentate the entire thing. And it was like five hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly! Oh, uh, but an it was fun. Of your time, yeah, but it was fun, and it was a wild. I don't know. I mean, wild midterm. There were some very dramatic races that I was watching. Yeah. Um, and then, but we'll get into those. I kind of want to hit, because um, we had talked about, because you had actually asked us to cover the the initiatives on the ballot and all that okay. good stuff. And so let's go over what happened in the state real quick okay. on those initiatives. Yes. Um, so we'll start with, I mean, everybody's favorite, I-1631. That's what that I wanted the, you guys to cover specifically, yeah. because I wasn't sure... How do we, I do, was gonna do we give you that. enough? Did, did you have enough to, to kind of help make an opinion? Yeah, it was funny because I um, currently am unemployed. And <laughs> so I've had a lot of time on my hands. There's a, there's a backstory. I'm not yes. just being a jerk. Yeah, I'm we not know. just. She's yeah. going to be very, There's a fun very story fine. with that. Anyways, um, so I tuned in and I watched your podcast live for the first time when you guys went through the initiatives and I had my voters pamphlet out and I had my ballot out and I was taking notes in the book and I was like listening. And then you said something that kind of pissed me off. And I like started arguing with the TV and was like, wait a second, Colin's not in the room. (laughs) And my dog kind of like perked up and looked at me and she was like, come on, girl. That just sounds like an average (laughs) Tuesday whenever we hang out. Right. Like, well, no, 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 no. Let's fucking (laughs) What are you talking Um, about right now? So anyways, yeah, it was super helpful. And I wish I had brought my voters pamphlet because seriously, that thing is highlighted and noted up. And you guys, it was really helpful to listen. And I think I finally figured out why I didn't get a voters pamphlet. Because my my mail goes to mi madre's house. Oh, that's right. We talked about that. And that's also why I had a CK ballot. So (laughs) lessons learned. Hey, how are you? (laughs) Welcome to the the world of being a responsible adult. And, uh, Uh, but I I imagine that she got it in the mail with the ballot and then just didn't. didn't I got my, um, voters pamphlet way before I got my ballot too. It came like a week and a half, maybe two weeks before my ballot was delivered, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah, that is nice. Because um, so it know gives me extra down. time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, 1631. The carbon emissions fee measure. Because mm-hmm. it's not a tax. It's not a tax. It's not a tax, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that did not pass. Which that, I was shocked. Well, it's, I mean, you got to remember, Morgan, not everybody in Washington lives in Seattle. No, I know. <laughs> I know. But I was, you know, like... 
It, from, it was close though. Yeah. Ooh, I gotta it was super see if close. I can pull that up. And I used to live in King County. And so, you know, everybody in King County, I feel like a majority of them voted yes on this ballot or yeah. this initiative. Um, and after listening to your podcast and reading through, I actually ended up voting no on it. Ooh, and ooh, 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 ooh. I, it was really hard for me because I am a super duper environmentalist and want to save the planet. And I really try to make sure I don't leave a footprint. Um, and we do what we can, you know, Yeah, but, it was, but it's, you do, we do what we can, but it doesn't necessarily constitute legislation. Mm-hmm. And even if it does, it has to be the right legislation. Yeah. And this, and this just, just wasn't, wasn't it. It wasn't the right one. And I oh. feel like the big home run hitter for me to vote no on this was that six of the biggest, um, producers of climate change, whatever, carbon monoxide, everything, uh, were exempt from yeah. this initiative and these fees. And I'm like, that is 60% of the cause of climate change. How are you going to leave them out of this initiative? That makes no sense. So that's why I ended up voting no on this one because okay. over half, you know, that's just, that's outrageous. You know, I would just only push back against your your phrasing of sixty percent of the cause of climate change, but yes, I just yes, absolutely, I do not disagree with you. But yes, <laughs> I just don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna accidentally align myself with that specific. <laughs> That's fair. Just because I like to, you know. <laughs> otherwise, we if we didn't have differences. And I was talking to Don about this. Um, we've been texting all weekend. I'm going to make sure he's still alive and everything's good. Yes. Um, and we were talking about something. And it was, you know, after doing this show for 39 episodes, we a lot of our views kind of coincide with each other. We end up mm-hmm. thinking a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to, to remember that, you know, we should think independently. And if we arrive to the same conclusions every time that's one thing but if we're just kind of agreeing with each other all the time it's not necessarily a good thing so i yeah. like to i like to keep that uh, what do they call that five degrees of separation because <laughs> otherwise we'd have a very boring relationship we wouldn't we be would. able to sit there and have wonderful <laughs> political debates all the time my would, bleeding I mean, heart yeah. liberalism would just not come out as much and that would be so sad and we're going to talk about that <laughs> Later, because I want to talk about bleeding heart liberals, especially the the uh, the quote unquote uh, Bernie Bros. Oh man, I still uh, election night. I was wearing my Bernie T shirt. Congratulations! Thank you. I felt good about it. I'm really glad he got reelected. I. You think he's going to run in 2020? I don't think so. He's, he's too old, man. Yeah, he's I think old. he, and I think he's still making a huge impact, and he's happy with the impact that he's making. Um, so I think I he's. Yeah. I think he's helping to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could say it's an. I don't know if his involvement's a net benefit or a net detriment to mm-hmm. the Democratic Party, even though he's still technically a independent. Yeah, I was going to say he's not aligned with the Democratic no, Party. He's technically not, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he is kind of the the more the new face of the, the new. It's like this Democratic Party offshoot it's yeah very, it's interesting it's not so much the establishment oh my gosh <laughs> establishment i can say that word um well i'm looking at this thing and i'm reading initiative and i'm trying to I say know. initiative and establish- establishment see i can't even do it again <laughs> but uh you know until he came on the scene there was 
one way the 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 Democratic Party went, mm-hmm. and it was kind of kind of left, but still kind of center left, and it was mostly social issue stuff, yes. you know. And then, but then it kind of went started to go a little farther left with the in the Obama era, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden Bernie came along, and it just went mm-hmm. just took a hard left and slight, you know. Yeah, but I think it's important to remember that he really is not – he does not label himself as a Democrat. He does not – No, he doesn't. He doesn't go out and promote the Democratic Party. He's just very much out there promoting his beliefs and what he thinks should be. And I appreciate that. now that that it's farther away from – remember, he kind of jumped on board like after Hillary kind of stole the nomination from him. Yes. He was kind of butthurt for a minute. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, well – you know, screw that Trump guy. I'm going to, you got to get out of there. You got to vote Democrat. Yeah. And yeah, he did jump on team Hillary for sure. But again, yeah. he wasn't aligning himself no, with the party. Not. But I, I think what's interesting with the point I was, I think I was trying to make before we get way too far way off topic. Far off, yeah. <laughs> um, I think he has helped spur on a, you've seen the Democratic Party kind of reflect a lot of his values. I see where you're going. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the going back to that initiative, 1631, it did, uh, there was, let's see, 56 to 43%. Okay, so 56% so percent of the, the that's state. That's more of a margin than I thought there was. But still, 43% of the country. And I mean, right now it's only saying, this is Ballotpedia, it's only saying mm-hmm. 84 of the 84% of the precincts reporting. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think that's that's pretty much where the numbers are going to lie. Right. Um, but still, you think about it, that's a large chunk of the population, voting population. You know, Absolutely. 43%. And, and I think that's kind of where, you know, I was lying is like I was very middle of the road. I didn't want to vote against an initiative that was going to better the environment. But I also couldn't get on board with this initiative because – I felt like it wasn't doing its job in the correct way to better the environment. And so I think a lot of people, this one especially, it was really convoluted reading it. The arguments for and against were very polarized and there you really couldn't find any middle ground between them. Yeah. And so I feel like voters especially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a hard one to pick yes or no on. At least for me, it was really hard because yeah. I just feel like there was so much potential for it to be great and you kind of want to believe in it. But then there's that underlying like, nah, this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't going to work. Like if I I wish I had enough faith in our government right. ability to run agencies and, and boards successfully mm-hmm. and correctly and efficiently. Yeah. I wish I had that faith in the system, but I don't. And that's why I feel like this is. It's buying a money pit. Yeah. And I, like, oh, I don't want to do that. There's, yeah. We could do, you know, do, you know, tax initiatives. Maybe. I don't know. There's a million other things you could do to help promote things like that. Mm-hmm. And even then, some of those get kind of complicated. They but do. either way, I'm glad it didn't uh, come to flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on, 1634 was the local. T- it would prohibit the local taxing of groceries. Yes. So in other words, um, kind of prohibiting say like a city government uh, from passing a particularly, I think in this case, it was aimed at the sugar industry, the Mm -hmm. sodas and energy drinks and, you know, all this stuff. But it also does kind of, it's a very broad blanketing thing. It says 
just no more local tax on groceries at all. Mm-hmm. Period. Can't do it anymore. And I remember we had a very interesting debate about this because I wanted to try to take the side. You know, I wanted to play devil's advocate for my own opinion. Right. And I found, I think, a halfway decent libertarian-minded argument against something like that where it just kind of, you know, I don't want a law on the book saying that we can't tax our own, you know, society the way we feel we should be taxed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Even if I disagree with that kind of taxation altogether, you're still pulling the decision away from the voters. And But either way, I think... That kind of would have been pushing it because I don't see, especially where we live, I could see that kind of going wrong. Yeah, real quick. That would rely, I think, uh, that would that would entail a, a vote of confidence, I think, one that I couldn't be comfortable giving a local government. Yeah. And so yeah. that initiative did end up passing prohibiting the local taxes on groceries mm-hmm. by uh, – with 84% of precincts reporting, 55%. That was another one that was closer than I thought. Right? I thought this one was kind of going to be blown out of the water. Yeah. Like I was really 80, surprised 20 by it. 80-20 type of thing. Um, but again, I feel like, <laughs> and I'm going to keep going back to that voters pamphlet, but it this one also was not an easy one to understand and comprehend and it took me i read this initiative so many times and it took me listening to your podcast to finally be like oh my gosh okay that's what this means i can now understand why i need to vote the way that i did well i'm glad we we did justice to it it. was yeah this one was tough you say that and i can't not smile hard (laughs) Uh, and that's what we try to do too because we understand that Especially in the world of politics and legislation, mm-hmm. there's a there's a certain way things are written. Yeah, there's certain you know, and there's reasons why they're written that way. Yeah, and to be able to interpolate and interpret the, you know, try oh, to find all the subtext and you know throw that shit out of there or use mm-hmm. it all. The context is important. Everything's very interesting. It's kind of why you always why I looked at like who provided the <clears throat> the funding. The, yeah, the majority of the funding for yeah. it. Just because that, not that it necessarily matters in the end, but it provides context right. to why it's there. Exactly. Um, because there's a reason we do have lobbyists and they, you know, mm-hmm. and I hate to say it because I, I mean, I, I have a, like my stomach is turning when I say this, that there's a reason for lobbyists and it's a legitimate reason. It's just, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that it's just gotten so shady. Yeah. And it's disgusting to try to, to justify it. Once upon a time, I wanted to be a lobbyist. You know? And, <laughs> and there's a reason why. Because there's, it's the intentions are good. They are. Right? Yeah. Um, but it is. It's become yeah. so convoluted these days that you just don't really know anything anymore. At least I, that's how I feel as a voter. Yeah. I just don't it's know tough. who to trust anymore. Well, I mean, shit, Don talked about it in his blog post, too, yeah. this week. About, uh, you know, the amount of, of time... And energy that it takes to try to stay informed enough to oh actually gosh. have a good opinion yeah. is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's hard on your life. You know, it's not easy. Although, again, if you read uh, Don's blog post about this week, it's worth it. Yeah. Because easy things are never, no, no. D- the things, I'm going to pull it up and look at it because it just, the actual rule itself is, 
it speaks for itself. Well, and that's why I appreciate Don's post so much and his blog post because one, he has an amazing way with words. And I, after I read it, I always feel so inspired. I'm like, yes, I can do this. Like, I got this. I'm going to conquer the world. Check. You should read that book. I know. I really should. Fascinating. So rule number seven out of the Jordan Peterson book, 12 Rules for Life, is pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the easiest option isn't always the best. Yeah. Um, You know, things that are worth having are worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And to be informed is something we should all be, we should all want to know what the fuck's going on to be able to make a legitimate argument one way or the other to have a legitimate opinion and if you don't understand what's going on because it's so convoluted and poorly reported and whatever it's really hard to do that and yeah. and then you get this initiative ballot in front of you you're trying to weed i don't understand what this means mm-hmm. then it comes down to much like uh 1639 which is the the gun control initiative which we've covered in depth on the show more than once um which also did pass it did um you know, which is, it's an interesting thing, but, you know, I didn't, I kind of expected that one to get passed pretty, pretty quick. But, yeah. um, but like I said before, if, if you're not totally informed about the situation around at least the initiatives, mm-hmm. then the, the vote basically becomes like, am I for gun control or am I against gun control? Right. Which is the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. These things are very specific for a reason. Yes. And so now in the state of Washington, you cannot own a assault style uh, rifle mm-hmm. until you were 21 and then go through essentially the same exact background checks and permitting wait periods and blah, 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 blah as a pistol, mm-hmm. which a lot of people make an argument, including your amazing fiance. My wonderful um, fiance. You know, and it's a very legitimate argument that yes. now an 18 year old man can or woman an 18 year old adult i should say can leave the home go out on their own start a life they're an officially an adult but they cannot buy a semi-automatic semi-automatic rifle or a pistol to protect themselves in their home it's a very i mean it's a legitimate argument yeah for sure it absolutely is it's kind of i mean it's almost the same type of argument as if an 18-year-old adult can go off and die his first country, why can't he come can't back home and have a beer? Have a beer? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's – yeah. anyways. And Jake all. and I had a super long conversation about that and because oh, yeah. we are yeah, super polar opposite on this one. Um, and <laughs> me being in the healthcare field and knowing a lot about the brain and everything, I just like – I voted yes on this one, clearly. Um, but I kind of reminded Jake like – the adult brain, like as a, when you, your the adult male brain doesn't mature until the age of 25. It is mm-hmm. not fully matured until then. Females, yep. it ranges from like, what does my computer say? It says 21, um, but typically it's like between 21 and 23 that the female brain fully, quote unquote, matures. I don't know. <laughs> um, Scientifically, that's what yeah. the numbers are. Say so everybody's um, closer to twenty nine or thirty in that book. And, well, and that's <laughs> what I think too. Like, I just think there's so much development that can happen in your early twenties, mid twenties, late twenties. Um, that I, I agree with Jake's standpoint on why does age need to be a factor? Let's just remove the age piece of it. Let's make stronger background checks. 
maybe a psych eval, whatever. Let's make it a little harder. It would be harder to regulate for sure, but let's find harder ways to do it and take the age piece of it out, which I can understand, especially from his standpoint. Um, I just think, again, let's have a fully matured brain before we put Uh anything in our hands that could cause harm. But then again, that goes with driving a car and, you know, like I get both sides Mm -hmm. of the situation. I totally do. And I wonder if, uh, let's say if you're a, you know, a younger person, like a 12, 13 year old, Mm -hmm. and you're in a, you know, a a responsible gun owning family and stuff like that. Absolutely. As long as the registered owner is with you and under your direct supervision, does this cause i mean can you take your you know your kid out to go right, hunt with go you or can he you, yeah. train him how to shoot or do you have right. to now wait to 18 yeah because he just can't does it just go with ownership and and the buying and selling of and mm-hmm. i when i was reading through the initiative that's what all the focus was is you can't buy one right register it to yourself so i don't i bet you it's in that uh, safe transport and safe storage Mm-hmm. section that safe storage piece was really it was short but it should have been it was very and well it was all new too yeah the the state supreme court made them go through and underline all the the additions to the mm-hmm. initiative and like mm-hmm. you know uh what do you call that they crossed through the anyway yeah i just crossed out crossed essentially out. the uh uh, what they were taking out and, mm-hmm. and it was really interesting it made it really easy to see what was new yeah yeah um, but it's, even then, it's still difficult to read and understand yeah. in proper context. And what were the numbers on that one passing? Do you have them up? Uh, I don't have them up, but I can. Where is it? 1634. That's the grocery tax. It was 39. Oh, yeah. It was in my gun control one. No worries. I'll just pull it up real quick. Um, But yeah, I, I had a feeling that one was for sure going to pass, especially because of the culture of our society right now yeah. and all the media attention around gun violence and um, the ownership of guns. But that was in Washington being a blue state historically. Which is strictly by numbers, not by area. Absolutely. Always. Strictly always, by numbers. Yeah, Always like that. Oh, yeah. Very strange. Yep. So it looks like 60% of people voted yes in that one. Wow, that's a bigger margin. Than any of them so far. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. That was interesting um, when I saw the number. I mean, it, it's not surprising, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes you go, huh. Yeah. Especially when you look at the size of the districts. You know, I was doing that the other day for yeah. looking at that district map. Yep. Like, uh, I think it's District 2, which is, I believe, the the Seattle district. Don't quote mm-hmm. me on that. Fact check. Don, I'll give you something to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is like the smallest district there is. Mm-hmm. And it's just so densely populated because it's the big city. It's very interesting. But then again, you have the rest of King County and Snohomish County. And those are all pretty, pretty progressive places to live. Those are my people. And then, uh, <laughs> and so the last one. I think that we want to hit is the that police training and criminal liability in cases of deadly force measure. Yeah, that was nine forty. Forty, thank you. And that one also passed with fifty nine point five eight percent at eighty four percent precincts reporting. Which again, I don't know how accurate that number is, but it's so yeah. late in the game now. We basically know That's yes, pretty much it. You know, that right? is, yeah. And so now this one will be really interesting to see what happens because. <laughs> 
this one I ended up coming down to a, a roll the dice type of thing. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I don't know if this is going to fix whatever problems we have. I know every single law enforcement agency, they stood against it. Yeah. You know, all the police chiefs association, everybody in the departments were against this thing. And so now they're going to have this good faith test, you know, which I think is so vague. I don't like mm-hmm. it, especially in legal situations, um, judicial situ- uh, situations. And because it's, you can interpret that any way you want. Right. And I, I want to see what the, you know, what the requirements are going to be to mm-hmm. meet this thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know what this is going to be. Is this just going to force cops to put themselves in a situation where they'll, they will just refuse to where pull the trigger on pull. anything? Right. Yeah. I, I wish I kind of regret um, not taking the time to go to the local station and have a conversation with the sheriff or an officer just to kind of see why they were so against this. Cause you're right. It was unanimous across the board. They did not want this to pass. Yeah. Um, and so I regret that as a voter, not taking the time to have a conversation with one of them um, to kind of get their viewpoint on it. And I, in the future, I think I'll handle my vote differently. Um, because I, you know, I, I do think there's good in this initiative, but like you said, it is kind of vague. I think the intents and, are good. Yeah. But how, again, how it's carried out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll see. We'll see with that one. Um, yeah, I got mixed emotions on it, but I just, I don't know if this is the answer. I kind of highly doubt it is, but maybe right. it's something different we can try and hopefully we can figure some stuff out and mm-hmm. we can adjust moving forward. And I think like the understanding of different mental health capacities and Mm -hmm. um, all of that would be beneficial. Oh, definitely. It just kind of depends on how that's going to be delivered. Yeah. And I think that that kind of goes around the board in all first responder. Absolutely. You know, careers. I think there's, especially with our better understanding of mental health and Mm -hmm. the issues there that come from just you know, the average day in the life of a police officer right. or a firefighter or a paramedic. I mean, that's some serious trauma that you could experience yeah. every single day of your life. Mm-hmm. Those people can, you know, you can walk out 20 years later and you're a totally different person than you yeah. were coming in. Yeah. And there's got to be, I mean, if it's any, if anything, it's worth studying. Yes. On a psychological level, not, you don't have to go in there and at least try to fix the problem. I think we should try to f- diagnose an after effect of a life as a, you know, first responder. Mm -hmm. And then, then we can have a conversation about, okay, well maybe there's a better way to run these, you know, systems, I guess, you know, a different approach to how things are done. Maybe. Yeah. Just to, for the benefit of everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, if you got police officers out there that are, you know, having, nervous breakdowns or, you know, just having some kind of PTSD inducing situation like every other day or just the effect that you can be surrounded by seemingly the worst of your society at all times because you're always going somewhere. Mm -hmm. You're always responding to a call Mm -hmm. or, you know, in a paramedics situation, you're always going to go to a bad situation for the most part. Just There's something about that that can't quite be healthy. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a way that we can kind of look at the effects of that and hopefully the legislation that just passed might help kind of maybe give us some more info some information some more more data we can look at i like data yep 
Um, but that's yeah, that's about it as far as our our local uh, midterms. I mean, Derek mm-hmm. Kilmer, our representative, of mm-hmm. course, has, has got swept in yeah. as as per the usual, and unfortunately, Maria Cantwell. I won't call her her other name, which is very inappropriate. Nobody should say it. Um, But it sounds like a normal nickname down in Australia because they just love that word (laughs) down there. (laughs) Stop it. Better than the alternative, in my opinion. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I kind of see them both on equal grounds. Um, They're both kind of establishment party members. Loyalist party party loyalist. Yes, they, they're not really. You know, when I look at somebody like Derek Kilmer, who's very passionate about government reforms, right? Um, you know, especially in like the spending side of things yes. and just responsibility. I don't see them voicing any of those opinions. It's all just, you know, we're here to fight for you, blah blah blah, and then kind of just listing off the the standard party talking points. Mm-hmm. I don't like any of that. Because I don't like any of the standard talk party talking points, but right. But it's Washington, so she got back in. I think Patty Murray will be on the docket next midterm, I believe. Maybe not. No, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but yeah, she's a she's been a long-standing senator, so I don't know how long mm-hmm. her term limits are when they come up or whatever. Either way, yeah, that's it. I just want some new blood in there. Yeah, I'm ready for some some newbies. Except for I don't want. The Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes. What? I do actually, I I do have a lot of sympathy for her right now. Um, just to kind of pivot off of this before we switch into Jeff Sessions. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of articles about her lately now that she she won the spot. By a vast margin, by the way. It was, I think she won yes. it in 90%. It was a lot. Huge. Um, but now she's... She uh, was talking to somebody the other day about how this is the first time she's ever been able to. She just bought her first couch mm-hmm. and, you know, this, that, and the other thing because she's not a professional politician. Right. She doesn't, she's not rich. Mm-hmm. She's a bartender. Mm-hmm. Last year at this time, she was a bartender that went on the campaign trail. Yep. So she doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. And now she's, she's worried about trying to be able to afford an apartment in Washington, D.C. and, I don't blame her, man. I, I feel bad for her. Yeah, you can kind of empathize with her a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I definitely can. And it, it, you know, that's like an unforeseen side effect of, you know, your your average populist kind of, um, you know, younger voices that are coming up like that. Mm-hmm. They don't have all the money in the world. No. They might be saying the right things for their district to get elected, but who knows what, the, I mean, you just like, have the money you then? got when you start, yeah. man. You know, it's weird because in the world of professional politics, you don't see that. Right. Because they all have, they're all one percenters, Mm -hmm. you know, which is very important to remember. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're looking at one percenters, it's not just the CEOs of mega corporations. It's also our politicians. Your elected officials. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Hmm. And we put them there because they work for us, right? Well, food for And also we don't have any other options. So. Yeah, that's true. That's a thing. We could always do the Bernie. We could vote Bernie. (laughs) I mean, I did. Uh, <laughs> Proudly. Uh, Proudly yeah, did it. I mean, what do you think about that? Um, if you are an activist, mm-hmm. a young activist who is interested in politics and wants to go up and do the right thing, and you get up and you go, shh, I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get a campaign behind you and this, that, and the other thing, and you can actually get paid from your campaign as like an LLC or something like that, I think. Um 
But still. What are you going to do? You get elected. Now what do you do? I mean, you're going to hitchhike to Washington? You find some roommates in D.C. <laughs> like, yeah. all, I the mean, new, all the newbies. Yeah. You got to get a house with some lobbyists and oh, <laughs> everybody no, no, no. I mean, there's together enough, and coexist. There's enough lobbyists in Washington <laughs> that if, if you need an I mean, apartment, you can get one. You I just got to so. sell your soul to the, to the lobbyists. You just got to find a roommate. But, but Carolina asked me something about that because um, all these articles have been coming out. What do you think, like, we should, considering the fact that, at least in Congress, mm-hmm. I think the Senate might be a little different, but okay. at least in the House of Representatives representatives in Congress, we should have almost like a, like a congressional barracks buildings, you know, where we can put, like, just normal, you know, like a government barracks, like a military barracks but a nicer one. But, you know, essentially, these are our representatives that we know have to go to Washington at some point. Should we provide some them some point. kind of housing, like an official, you know, this is your congressional apartment. It's, you know, it's in a, a building. You, I don't, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that would be a super tough sell because everybody's like, these politicians don't need more money. That's right. Um. So, <laughs> I mean... Oh uh, well, hey, in, and maybe a campground, a campground, like like an RV hookups and stuff. Yeah, there or you like go. Hit, pitch your tent. And, I don't know. Well, where is <laughs> Alexandria Ocasio Cortez from? She she's she ran in the Bronx, I believe. Yes, uh, but is she from New York the whole time? She I probably doesn't even know what an RV is, or much less, you know, she actually depending on what part of New York City you're from. You know, like a full-blown RV, that's like two apartments in no, New York. I'm, that's why I'm saying <laughs> that like a be tent. Bad. I would like I have my Taj Mahal tent. How many people does it yeah, see, Jake? Huge. Like eleven or something, maybe twelve. Jake's brother, Jonathan, huge. named it the Taj Mahal, so that's just what we refer to it as now. But I mean, that's probably three apartments in New York. And I just use that at Lake Chelan on the property <laughs> where I have a bathroom. <laughs> like you know, my air mattress and my, I have a rug. Jake bought me this great plush rug to go at the foot of our air mattress. Yeah, and then you guys have the, the big air mattress too, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like it's, 24 inches off the yeah. ground or something like that. that. That is the definition of glamping. Oh, yeah, for The only sure. thing you need is a is a generator with a satellite dish. and uh, We have so a generator. Wa- and Jake bought one of those um, portable power packs for his phone so we could watch Riverdale in bed. Oh, on the see, that's on good. his phone screen because he had a bigger phone than me. Has a bigger phone than me. Riverdale. That's the Archie comic yeah. remake, right? Season one, great. Season two, and whoa, okay. I heard this the other day and it confused me. Is Sabrina the teenage witch in Riverdale? No. I thought there was. Is there? A, is there? They a like character? reference Riverdale. In the new Sabrina show on Netflix, but okay. it's it's her. What is her town, Jake? Oh, I wish you were here for my brain. Um, he, I do. He's the other half of my brain every day. Um, but they reference Riverdale in the show, and I think the town that Sabrina lives in is outside of Riverdale. Hmm. But don't quote me on that. Also, Sabrina. Oh my gosh, it's a great show. I've heard it's like mad dark. It's super dark, but it's oh. it's not that fun little Nickelodeon it's show. It's not, but um, the cat finally showed up. I don't remember Ooh. what episode. What's his name? Salem. Probably. It sounds mm. familiar. Something like that. Samson. Salem. Oh Probably. shoot! I don't Jake. know. Jake. Um. Anyway, would know because she's she. I, know. I remember she loved the like original go. Sabrina. Me too. I watched that all the time. 
I feel like I watched that too a lot when I was because it was on Nickelodeon, right? Something mm, like that. I can't maybe. Remember. That was back in the day, though. I watched a ton of that. Sabrina and Lizzie McGuire. Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> and even Stevens. I saw a thing. I didn't watch it the other day. It was in probably my Facebook feed. But it was Melissa Joan Hart and, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? There was like the boyfriend, right? That came yeah, up. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was those It was those two. So like the main stars, they were watching the news, Sabrina, and like uh, reacting. And I was like, oh, I bet that's interesting. What a dream. I heard that shit's dark. I mean, it is. It's super dark, but it's a great show. I recommend it. Just don't have your kids in the room mm-hmm. if you have kids. Is it pretty bloody? Um, it, It's not so much bloody. It's just, it's very dark and kind of. Kind of a more the more satanic version of yeah, not the most positive, not the best example of strong relationships. <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome to modern TV, right? There's Morgan's liberal side. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, <clears throat> well, that's Sabrina. Yeah. So, how many seasons of Riverdale are there now? Two. I think there's still only two. Okay. But the second season has been really hard for Jake and I to get through, and we gave up. I think on episode like four, it's just Ooh. really cheesy this time. Oh yeah, and it's not as like the first ep- first season was great. We re- zoomed through that one. So is this a comedy? No, I mean, it's like no. a rom com, or is it? Uh, no, it's not really. A, it's a drama, drama. Hmm. based in Riverdale, but it's not really based on the comic. Yeah, I've, I've heard and that. It's just. I know a lot of people that dig it. I mean, I think Don and Jordan really love that that show too. Have they been watching? I'll, I I'll believe text Dawn so. About I believe two, so. Because yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> well, I think let's go ahead and knock out uh, the news about Sessions. the once the the late great Ooh. Attorney General, who by the name by the way his full name I just discovered his full name today Jeff Sessions full name. Jefferson Beauregard oh. Sessions the Third. Ooh, I love the name Beauregard. And now, now I'm remembering. Don, don't yell at me because I'm pretty sure you've told me this before. <laughs> Ooh, sorry, buddy. I I listen to you. I promise. I love you, buddy. Sometimes. Hope you're feeling better. Um, but yeah, that's a strong it's southern a, name, that's isn't a name. it? Name. My name's Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the Third. That's like a slave owner name. <laughs> Sorry. Who's racist now? I'm so, Come I, on. I mean, I'm white. I can totally say that to another white person. Yeah, I mean, you are, you're like number, you're not last in the oppression hierarchy, but you're second to last. <laughs> you're pretty far down there with me. You know? Hey, I have got my ancestry DNA back. I am, I'm all over the board. You are indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, my skin doesn't uh, show it, but my genes do. I was going to say, I don't think I saw because Jake showed us. Yeah, His Jake's all day. white. Yeah. He's he's some deep uh He's a whole lot of white. Yeah, he's some very European people. Uh, which I'm pretty sure mm. I am too. I can't wait to do mine. I mean, you I guys look almost too. identical, so Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. We talked about that yesterday. Like yeah. people mistake us for brothers mm-hmm. all the time. Constantly. Not brothers <laughs> at all. I mean, we're brothers from other mothers. Um but yeah, it's it's weird too, and the the coincidence that these two kids met when we were just tiny, tiny, tiny little kids. Grew up yeah. together, and we both ended up being like, I'm six four, I think Jake's six five six, or something five, like six, that. Six six, yeah. Yeah, and we're both insanely huge, and we're both blonde. Yep. And Blue eyes, yeah, very interesting. Hair, yeah, something's up there. Nose. It's weird. It is very weird. Weird, weird. But um, 
I don't know how I got to. We were talking about Beauregard, and then I brought up Ancestry DNA because you called me a racist. Like, like, <laughs> trying to prove I'm well, not. In my I'm defense, really not. <laughs> in my defense, you might have said something that was borderline racist. I mean, Come on now. In said, today's, in 2018 context. I know. But I, everybody I was thinking it. I just verbalized it. Okay. So. Jump on that bandwagon, whatever. You're a Bernie bro. You can get away with basically <laughs> murder. So anyways, the actual today. news. Yes. Uh, Wednesday, like within, I don't know. I don't even know if you could say the midterm vote was over at that point. No, absolutely still, not. Uh, they were still counting votes and all that. Yeah. But uh, the, I don't know if it was the White House that leaked it or if it just kind of was officially released, but. We have a resignation letter from the Attorney General of the United States. It says, Dear Mr. President, at your request, I am submitting my resignation. I love that he put that in there. Oh, that was a first line. That was at a your sta- request. That's a prison shank mm, to the kidneys, man. That's the Seattle passive aggressiveness right there. Oh, Let's man. go. <laughs> and that's but that's the big news is is yeah. Jeff Sessions is out and uh, Trump has appointed President Trump. Sorry, uh, has appointed a man by the name of Matthew Whitaker as the interim, I guess, acting attorney general, um, which a lot of people are very uncomfortable with because uh, he's kind of, I don't know too much about him. I don't either. But he's kind of a, he's seen as a Trump loyalist type guy. So where, do we know where he came from? He, uh, yeah, let's see here. Democrats quickly demand. This is from the New York Times that okay. uh, covered it. Um, but the Democrats are calling for him to remove himself, uh, essentially uh, remove himself from any activity within the Mueller investigation, Mueller probe, because he has apparently been outspokenly critical of it. Oh. Um, I'm trying to find the out exactly. Continues. He's a former college tight end. I don't know why that's important, but, you know, he's a collegiate football player of some kind. U.S. state's uh, attorney in Iowa. So he's a state attorney. Yay. Another one of those. And a one-time Senate candidate in the state of Iowa. And uh, he has also done some campaign work for people trying to run for Iowa, you know, state government or senatorial. So he's very highly qualified. Highly qualified to be a... I mean, he's a lawyer. I guess that's a qualification. Is it? But yeah, a lot of people are are very upset about this. Um, I will go ahead and say that I've seen something like this coming for a long time. It was just a matter of time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I didn't think it was going to be quite as close to the... I mean, this was the second the midterms were over. Yeah. And he's like, all right, you're done. I'm gone. But now this new guy is going to actually... You know, he can't just assume the attorney generalship he can be appointed as acting and but he still has to wait for a confirmation process from the senate they still have to confirm oh, him just like right. sessions did yeah and i would imagine they will require him to recuse himself from the in the Mueller investigation otherwise he won't get the votes but now that again a little midterm news the republicans have gained two seats in the senate and now now that kind of pushes the power balance a little bit more. Um, so I don't know how that's going to leak down to the actual judicial committees and the, the House, you know, the the various committees, because those are usually pretty upper echelon guys, yes. establishment. Yes. Um, but you could see a potential 
problem there trying to get the votes for somebody like that. And it'll be an interesting thing to watch. I haven't heard anything on when confirmations will be scheduled or anything like that. So is he just, he has that interim title until he's confirmed? Yeah, essentially. And okay. So basically, this is the guy that's going to be our attorney general. Yeah, because that's the way. And the no one has levels. heard of him because he's from Iowa. Sorry, state of Ooh. Iowa. I apologize. Ooh. Shots fired. Um, well, he's but, mixed around in like, politics a little bit. I don't feel like that's accurate. I mean, just working in Iowa, that does not mean you're mixed around in politics. Come on. <laughs> Let's see here. He was, uh, well, and apparently he has connections to a witness in the investigation of Mr. Sam Clovis, who was a former oh, Trump campaign gosh. aide. Um, he was the chairman of Mr. Clovis's unsuccessful campaign to become Iowa State Treasurer. So we're talking, you know, mid level, mid lower level state. Uh, political involvement but it probably just sounds like you know the right people you say the right things and now you're on the right team now you can get your foot in the door the president's in your back pocket mm, i wouldn't go that far but i mean if he knows the dude that's involved in the investigation it's just all drama it is drama it's just so much drama i used to love the show one tree hill and like watched that drama all the time this whole situation needs its own tv show this i'm is telling why, you it would make so much money this is why i like this crap because i can't watch Grey's anatomy oh this is my Grey's anatomy this that's is my wrong this is my drama jake watches Grey's anatomy with me i used to good heart. and i lost it man i just i couldn't do it anymore it got so dramatic oh it's so good stop uh, it it is kind of funny though every now and again i'll, I'll watch an episode with carolina um she has it on a lot Oh yeah, we talk about it every week. Yeah, <laughs> I just oh, yeah. I, I just can't do it yeah. after after McDreamy died. I couldn't do it anymore. Oh, whatever. I don't even think I watched all the way up to that. McDreamy. Yeah, that's right. Um, so there was one more point I wanted to hit about this Jeff Sessions um, yes, AG thing, and this is the we're looking at somebody now who is coming into the position of AG. How much authority does an acting attorney general have? Mm-hmm. And I would say technically he probably has most, if not all, the authority that a normal confirmed AG would have. Um, but I'm not totally sure about that. And so with Sessions having recused himself from the investigation, the burden fell to deputy director of the uh, deputy, oh my gosh, deputy attorney general who is Jeff Sessions number two to run, oversee the investigation, to run the overseeing of it. And so now if Jeff Sessions is no longer in office, the attorney general should then take over the investigation um, because he's, that's usually who does it. Yeah. But so I'm wondering if, if he does, if this does go to confirmation and he doesn't, I don't think, let's see this guy. I don't know. He's such a wild card. What will he do? Will he try to get in there and start throwing some weight around right right away? I don't know how any of this stuff works. It's you know, it's it's hard to understand all this stuff. Raise your hand. Can tr- mm-hmm. can Trump? Sorry, the president. Oh gosh, sorry guys. Um, can the president 
Is there any like law or any rule against the president firing the attorney general? Clearly not. But when there's an active investigation going on, I feel like that's going to mess up a whole lot of stuff. And how can you just have a new attorney general come in and run this investigation? Like clearly, oh, I almost said Trump again. The president (laughs) has a ulterior motive in this, I feel like, right? Not necessarily. On a technical level, this is why it's good that he waited till midterms because this is a very standard operating procedure um, to have a cabinet shakeup right after the midterm elections. It's very common. Okay. And it is, it makes sense that if you don't like the way your attorney general is doing or what he's doing, you can fire him at at the midterms. It's kind of the normal thing. He leaves, you get someone else in. Okay. But it is kind of sus that, you know, with somebody who's recused himself from that investigation, just looking at it from that standpoint, I mean, he's done a lot of other things. You know, Jeff Sessions has been very active in kind of upholding and pushing, you know, the president's judicial agenda right. you know, or not judicial, yeah. but you know, um, legal agenda. And so it seems kind of suspect that this is just him having the excuse to fire him. Um, hmm. because, you know, he said from day one, ever since Jeff Sessions recused himself that he wanted, you know, he would have picked someone else if he knew he was going to recuse him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I don't know if this necessarily means he's going to have, he's going to hire somebody in there that will try and stop the investigation. You know, because the president can stop the investigation at any time. He could have stopped it at any time, but he doesn't do it because it's political suicide. Yeah. And, oh, I don't, yeah. and this is no different if you're relying on, you know, your new guy to come in just to end the investigation. It It's pretty transparent. I, I don't even think I don't think even he is that dense, especially after spending two years in the job now. So we will see. We will see. But I He's hate to say dense, it. Dude. I actually, we got to take a quick break because I, uh, my boss just called me. He has a little, he has some questions real quick. So we're going to wrap this up and then we're going to come right back in with some more yeah. fun political talk. Ooh, I'm all about it. And we're back. That was a nice break full of lovely situations. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back and... So we had kind of wrapped up our, our two main topics for the day. We're starting to run short on time. So I really wanted to start picking your brain about this 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 Bernie culture. Because I, I understand a little bit of it, but not that much. All right. And so I want to separate the man from the policies. Okay. Because I don't think it's so much about the man. Because that's a very strange symbol to be looking at if you're looking at just another old white guy who's, you know, got a lot of money and a lot of really strange power, but no real understanding how he got it or why. <laughs> um, because I think most people resonate with the message that he puts forward and it's the message. You know, it's not the message. Oh, okay. Sorry. The message that <laughs> he pushes like, hey, forth. It's a little underlined. So many messes. Oh, so many. I mean, his policies in my mind are, they're just a mess. <sighs> You know, and which is why I want to help. I just want you to help me understand more about, you know, uh, universal health care, universal education, you know, all this this stuff that he pushes that that I think you support. 
I do. And I'm just curious, you know, I want you to try to convince me that this, this is, I should be a Bernie bro. You know, I want to understand these people. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't feel like I can convince you to be a Bernie bro. I'm not going to take that undertaking because being a Bernie bro is a lifestyle. (laughs) And if you don't feel it in your heart, Mm -hmm. then I don't want you to be a bro. That's true. I'm I'm really happy to understand that. I don't think I can be a Bernie bro. And that's cool. I'm still going to love you either way. Um, But no, I think, I think you're totally right on the sense of like the image Bernie has. Mm -hmm. And I think what it boils down to for me is that we finally have a voice that will represent the, I'm going to say millennial, the millennial generation. I wouldn't disagree with you for sure on that. Congress. Yeah. Um, and I think what's important to me is that I have always been a strong advocate for universal health care, basic rights for everybody. Um, I work in the education system. I believe everybody has a right to it. And so it's finally just kind of like, it's nice to have such a strong advocate that is making our voices heard. And I feel like of all the politicians, and you can totally disagree with me, but I feel like Bernie really does take the time to listen to us as a whole and um, really works to represent us. Because I feel like every time I see Bernie, he's not always necessarily up on a podium. He's kind of more down. Kissing hands, shaking babies. Yeah, talking with everybody. And that could just be that he has a really great uh, media person. (laughs) And they just post all the right pictures. Um, But no, I just, I feel finally like I, I, I myself and my views are represented. I didn't feel that way with Hillary. I Mm -mm. didn't. I mean, I loved Obama and I still love Obama, but I still feel like part wasn't totally represented with Obama. Definitely not. And Bernie's just kind of my guy. Kind of? Well, I, you know, I bring up Bernie just because he, if you were to put it in, you know, postmodernistic terms, he is the head of the, the patriarchy that is that kind of new wing of the, the, the non-democratic party, but you know, we had talked about that earlier, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's like this new, the leader of the new wave, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you see people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez pop mm-hmm. up and do well. Um, Beto O'Rourke down in Texas, Texas yeah. had a hell of a time taking yeah. on Ted Cruz and ultimately lost. But I mean, with numbers in Texas that I don't think I've seen right. in at least my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, it looks like that's Texas is basically going to go purple any minute yeah. if it hasn't already. Yeah. And I don't know. There's a lot of reasons that could be just a more active voter base or could be, you know, the kind of rise in of Austin. Mm-hmm. Austin, Texas is huge now and there's mm-hmm. a ton of people there. There's just more voters maybe. Um, but you have a this kind of social populist type of candidate that can be very popular right now Mm -hmm. and And he's inspiring a movement you know i think that there's been 
a lack of representation for the younger population and the younger voters. And I think it took Bernie and some individuals like Bernie to kind of light the fire under our butts and say, hey, you can actually do this. You can be active. You can be a part of Congress. You can get elected to office. There are so many things that you can be doing. And I think we we just needed someone in typical millennial fashion to uh, get us motivated. And I find it so ironic that it's Bernie Sanders. Right. But it is him. An old white guy from the Northeast. Right. I just, you know, but he's the grandpa we all want. And uh, he seems like an irritable man, though. I don't know. I feel like I want to hang out with him and eat some chili and cornbread and just like snuggle on the couch. Okay. I feel like he's got that old man funk, though. I don't. I mean, (laughs) maybe a little bit, but like. He's got those big furry pussy willows coming out of his ears. Oh, yeah. That's a He kind of looks like, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It looks like if you, if he was like your your crazy grandpa that you know you'd want to put on the phone when telemarketers call, so oh, that he oh, could for have sure. fun. He has that image definitely. Yeah, I could see that. But I feel like it's just his image. I don't know that that's necessarily his personality. And I almost want to say like he might be in a position that he'll be passing the torch sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, because you do have a rise of more people like him saying the same things Mm -hmm. that he's doing anyways. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk realistically for a second about the possibilities of say universal healthcare. Okay. In, I mean, we've seen numbers all over the place right now, and I don't know how these numbers come down, especially considering the insurance industry. Yeah. Um, you know, how is it that, you could foresee a policy being built to cover every American in the United States for their, their health care costs. Or do you see that? Or do you just kind of run off the ideal that it could be possible? We should try to figure it out. Or, you know, what is it? What, what, what gets people behind that other than just, you know, the seemingly moral argument? I think the big problem and the issue with it not being an option right now is the big money in pharmaceuticals. And I think if that can be eradicated, then there's more of an option for universal healthcare to become doable. And I think there's so, there's just so many factors that go into it that, um, I, I don't even think I can like strongly answer this question because it would take 12 years to mm-hmm. dissect it. I think that's kind um, of my problem with it is yeah. when people say stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really good idea. It's a very, you know, noble pursuit, mm-hmm. but I think there's no one really having a serious conversation about it. You know, I mean, I think that in the United States of America, you could have, a affordable, you know, with quotation marks, um, healthcare system that is, you know, essentially state run. Mm-hmm. If I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I advocate for this. I'm thinking, I think yeah. it could be possible. Yeah. But that would entail essentially regulating to a point, um, you know, almost regulating out of existence the pharmaceutical industry yeah. and essentially just completely getting rid of the private health insurance industry, mm-hmm. yeah. except for 
I mean, it could still exist in the future, but it in a completely unrecognizable, almost small town. It has to be totally local business revamped. form, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, smaller than say like State Farm Insurance or right. you know really mm-hmm. small local type things. I think could still exist, maybe or even regional. Mm-hmm. But but essentially, I think that's where most of the cost comes from. Is you know is those industries you know especially big pharma that's mm-hmm. a, that's a huge one and it kind of killing me now because i did see i've heard some things about uh actually somebody from the trump administration that was trying to cut down on kind of going after big pharma a little bit yeah. um so maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that one down that. i might look into that a little yeah. bit more because that's a really interesting one to do well and i just find it fascinating every time this conversation comes up and the amount of people I've talked about it with is like, you know, why don't we reallocate funds? Why, why does all the money have to be going to defense? Why does all Mm -hmm. the money have to be going in all these places that I'm not going to say it's not needed, but I'm going to say, do we need that much? Oh yeah. And yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's a pretty, true statement across the board probably yeah. especially on the, the federal level I mean, like federal especially agencies, with but. public education like oh good lord come on guys and i think the vast majority of again this is a, just another problematic aspect to all this stuff is mm-hmm. that in general the federal government especially kind of sucks at streamlining oh, efficiency you know they just don't quite do it well because they a bureaucracy by nature cannot really operate at yeah. peak efficiency if you rely on people it's called red tape yeah and it's and that all that does is increase cost yeah for everybody around and mm-hmm. so i think it's it would be possible and you know you hear these these numbers thrown around these days if if we, if we were to cover every american with health insurance or whatever it would cost you know, like seven trillion dollars a year, or something mm-hmm. like that. And you know, but I don't know if those numbers are based off of like the current insurance system and all right. that. Because obviously, that would just need to go away because all that does is yeah. drive prices up. Yeah, I can't you know. see the current insurance system being able to continue to be around. Yeah, if it would have to be a, like like a complete tear down and rebuild. Of yeah, the, of not the whole just you know, and not a repeal and replace. Right. No, this is not. a complete teardown of the healthcare system mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. And, you know, frankly, it's so big. And so I don't know how you would ever do that. And yeah. even then I'm not comfortable with the government doing it because it's not going to be done right. well, but I'm not going to argue that they couldn't. We'll just say that. No. And I think that's so important to talk about is just the fact that like, if universal healthcare were to become a thing, mm-hmm. I would not want it to become a thing with the government officials we have right now. Well, and that's the other thing is just because you like it with the government officials that are in whenever it gets in. Right. Our system is going to change yeah. at some point and, you know, unless mm-hmm. you make it you know, something that is protected. Which is exactly what we've seen with the Affordable Care Act right now. And kind of, yeah. We've seen some very, we've seen some attempts to get rid of it. And then we've kind of seen the, you know, the funding mechanism, which was 
you know, arguably not working to begin with. Um, not, you know, now that's been pulled. So now it's definitely in a, a, a death spiral, if you want to say that. But, yeah. Um, which again, I don't, it's not good because we got to live through it. But yeah. And it's I, I don't not know. good because I don't know. Individuals like myself are kind of now in this position where, Hey, I'm 26 years old. I now am not covered under my parents' insurance. Mm-hmm. So I now have to find my own medical insurance. And, and it's, expensive it's just not it's not an option no and so now i'm just not i mean i don't have health insurance right now and i'm winging it like i'm gonna pray to god i'm not getting in a car accident or throwing the ball for my dog the wrong way yeah right (laughs) it's just you know i don't want to trip and fall in this hole that's on the sidewalk i i mean you know and that's a real life example of the debacle that is our government's first attempt at running healthcare. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, whatever the intentions might have been good and all this good stuff, but mm-hmm. due to the nature of our political system for one, you know, and probably some kind of failures just in how it was passed and legislated yeah. and some of the, the mechanisms in it just didn't work. And now we're living through the consequences of that. For sure. You know, even not just that general broad picture. It's like, well, you know, they tried, I guess. And I don't think I could have expected them to do anything better. Right. Especially keeping that that private insurance industry in and essentially Mm -hmm. subsidizing them. Yeah. Which we saw how that worked out with the universities, you know. So I'm not going to argue that it's not not possible for sure. Yeah. It's nobody's got the answer. And I think that's what's so hard is like, I mean, the ideal of it is so fantastic. And as Americans, it should be something that we get. You know, there's lots of other countries that have it and are successful. Why can't mm-hmm. America have it? Well, because we're and big and complicated. I know. We can. We can learn things from other people for sure. But, you know, one thing to remember is that And I won't even say America in particular, but every country is completely different. Oh, for sure. And I mean, we have a couple, you know, extra, you know, variables. I mean, we're huge. Mm -hmm. And we have all these little weird mini states inside that all have their own ways of running things. Mm -hmm. And they have their rights. And the government, the federal government can't necessarily run everything, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know, as a libertarian, I believe the federal government should just kind of take care of the major stuff and stuff like healthcare. If we can't figure out as a state in Washington state, how we want our healthcare to run. We should not be punting the ball down to the oh. federal, up to the federal level and be like, okay, you guys figure this out. Yeah. Like we should be able to figure this out. I mean, this, we have Seattle here. Yeah. If you guys can't figure out how to, you know, the, the progressive utopianism, <laughs> you know, to run, you know, healthcare when you could do it in your own city, if you wanted to, oh, yeah. you could try to do it there, sure. but why? Why are you not doing it? Yeah. What's what's the deal there? It's too much money. It's too much money. Too much money. And yeah. Well, so what do we do about that? I don't know. We got to change the way we think and we change where we put our money and invest in ourselves and invest in our neighbor. And I think that is kind of what it boils down to for me. And what I have seen is that social media has made everyone disconnect yeah, we we all talked about we this talked a little about bit this yesterday. yesterday at wrb I like this. yeah it's just 
as a society, we are so selfish now and we don't care about the person that lives next door to us or Mm -mm. the person that even shares a wall with us. No, we don't say hi in the hallway. We don't greet each other at the grocery store. I mean, but if you agree with me on social media, now we're tight. But now we're, yeah. And we, I don't even, I may never have seen your face Mm -hmm. ever in my life. Mm -hmm. And you could be on the complete opposite side of the world, but we, we have a couple, you know, general ideas and topic maybe about politics or an opinion on somebody or something yeah and now we're homies but i i don't know my neighbor's first name Mm -hmm. come on now and i think that's really important and i think our gen x right all the kids right now gen x Mm, all the kid kids yeah the kids kids no those are are, i think gen z z whatever something like that there's a few names my nieces and nephews are in Um, Post millennial. I like. I really like to make it a priority when I'm around them, and it doesn't happen every time. But to like not have my phone out because I feel like our kids these days are so. I mean, they have tablets and phones and computers and all this stuff, and I I really think it's important to teach them conversational skills and how to be in a social environment. And oh yeah, um, that is just so lacking. Like. It's hard to sometimes get some of my nieces and nephews just to make eye contact. Yeah. And it's strange. Um, I think that in itself is just as a society, we've become so disconnected with each other. And it's just become about how do I make myself better? How do mm-hmm. I support my family? It's not about how do I help my neighborhood? It's not mm-hmm. about, you know, Oh, I see this stray dog on the side of the road. I'm going to take him to the Humane Society because someone is really missing this dog. Like, there's not enough people out there that care to help each other. And I think that is kind of the root of our generation and where the shift needs to happen is there needs to be more people that care about someone they don't know or someone they have a very minimal relationship with and don't aren't as selfish anymore and mm-hmm. just kind of we live selflessly instead of selfishly. Well, the way I've been looking at it lately is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about tribalism mm-hmm. lately, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's everybody's being tribal or reverting or either that or we're just opening our eyes to the tribalism that always has been. Yeah. But I, I see more of a, a shift in tribalism. We're, we're going from, you know, the more classical version of tribalism from, your neighborhood, your town, your, you know, your school and, you know, the old days, you know, the way people mm-hmm. looked at community. And now we, we, that, that tribe isn't necessary anymore to some people right. to get by because you got the internet. Yeah. You have, in, you have a, whatever tribe you want to belong to, you can find on the internet and, and, you know, Hey, I, I agree with all your guys' ideas or I fit in over here. And it's kind of a, a curse and a blessing in a way. Because it it at once opens our world to, I mean, the, the idea that I have essentially the de- repository for all worldly knowledge is right here. It's right in your hand. Right here. Yeah. And I got to, you know, realistically in a developed nation, it's relatively affordable to have that access at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. At least in a way it has never, ever been before. Yeah. But – we don't really know how to use this stuff yet. Mm-hmm. We're still learning. And there's consequences that we could not never have seen mm-hmm. that we got to deal with. And, 
you know, some of it is amazing because if it wasn't for the internet, I don't think either of us would have would be attached to the people we're attached with. Oh, no right way. now. I would not have you a know, fiance right now I, for the internet. <laughs> I've been married for damn near 10 years and we met on the internet. Yep. Back in the earlier days. Us too. I'm not even married yet. Yeah. And it's like, like it's a very common way to meet people now. Yeah. You know, for a thousand reasons, but Yeah. And it works too. It's it's not just like a hookup thing anymore. It's like you right. just it can work. And so it's almost like if we were to focus that energy from, you know, the broad down to, you know, a more community level again. Yeah. We could still use social media like in a very productive way. Right. But we don't. We just don't. We're not ready for it. And Jake says that to me all the time. Yeah. That's always, you know, when we're in those heated discussions. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't call it an argument. Discussion. Indeed. Um, He always brings that back. He's like, Lorg, come on. It's media. It is all media. And I'm like, you know what? I it hear is. you. I super hear you. <laughs> I'm still going to argue with you. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm still going to be super passionate, but I hear you. That's You're the beauty right. of the uh, the realm of ideas. Yeah. You can you can have a heated discussion yeah. just about anything you want. Yeah. You know, and you can pick a topic like healthcare. Yeah. That no one's really going to be right or wrong with oh, because no. we don't know the answer. No idea. And you just go back no and idea. forth. You trade ideas and, you know, it doesn't exist on a level it used to. Well, and it, if it I just, had the answer to healthcare, I would be so rich and potentially the first female president. So. See, I would do it just I to mean, make everybody shut up. Well, for real, though. <laughs> just like, okay, guys, we did it. Right. Be done. I don't want anything. <laughs> it's over. I don't want anything. I just want y'all just to stop. It's all good now. We can move on to another issue. I just we can be friends again. Do this exactly. I can add you on Facebook. We're gonna be okay. Yeah, I can tell you how many people have unfriended me when they saw I was a Bernie supporter. Oh, I lost like half my Facebook friends. And that's thank God because who needs those people in your life? I know. You know. I think I talked about this last night. This is a problem when we get together and stuff and we have all these conversations. I don't remember who I had them with. Who or, was saying what? Yeah. And, uh, but it was, oh, what was it? We were saying the Bernie stuff. Crap, I just lost it. It was so good. I don't remember. We were talking about everybody being nice to each other, yeah. caring about each other. Civility or something or other. I don't know. Anyways. It was gold and I lost it. <laughs> Don will be here next pretty, time. That's a pretty standard operating procedure for me. And he'll pull it back. Indeed. He'll, he'll bring me back in to yeah. normal. Um, yeah, God, that bugs me. Because it was, it was about, you know, society and, you know, tribalism and, you know, people talking to each other and not talking to each other. But either way, you know, it's just, it would be nice if we can go back to being, oh, yeah, it would be nice if your neighbor could be a conservative orthodox jew mm-hmm. and you could be a staunch atheist progressive and you guys could still get along just fine easily i mean those are basically my in-laws yeah they're Friend all conservative stock. i remember <laughs> oh yeah i mean well, and here's the liberal coming <laughs> into go. the family uh, well you're at least <laughs> but we all love each other so side. much and there's so much yeah. respect there so the the point that I was going to make, and I remember now. Awesome. It was about. I'm going to do it again. Oh shoot! <laughs> I have to stop talking and not look at you, so you can remember. 
um, bad friend stock. Okay. This is what it was. It was, you know, those type of people that will unfriend you for being a Bernie supporter or whatever, Mm -hmm. especially without even reaching out to be, if they are so offended by this and they won't reach out to you, you should be happy to not have them in your life anymore. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not going to just be a, a decent human being and, and, you know, hold grudges against people for, you know, thought crimes right. in your mind. What, what kind of individual, what kind of person would do that to you? Yeah. I mean, who would do that, especially face to face, for one? <laughs> Nobody would do that. Yeah. Maybe a select few. I would appreciate but. it, though, face to face. Like, yeah. at least you're, you know, you're definitely not going to get that. Addressing here, the, oh, gosh, no. Passive aggressive capital of the world. Pacific Welcome Northwest. To yeah, man. <laughs> oh, if there's one thing those those hardcore progressives do, it's yes, they know how to be passive aggressive. Which is so not me, though. No, you like to be overly aggressive, and I'm a super progressive. That's true. Well, you're kind of that activisty but type, I, though. So you're, that's you're true. like, oh, I'm going to get in there. That's you know, true. You were, you know, that's why you're perfect for, you know. I wanted to call you a, uh, a salt of the streets contributor because you're always like if. If there's a protest, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna I, be want, there. I want boots on the ground, girl. Yep. Can you get there? I will be there like, of every course. time. A Bernie rally? Of course I'll be of there. Course. I'm already there, man. My face is already painted. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Do you guys paint faces? No, I thought about it. Do people do people do that? I mean. What would they paint them as? You do whatever you want. Okay. Just blue. Or like purple, oh, independent. Okay, okay. Gotcha. I'm on my purple face. Gotcha. Purple people eater. What, what color is the Libertarian Party? Probably naked. Green? That just seems right for libertarians. They're kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm not sure. The party, anyways. The party is, due to its nature, can never be an actual party. Yeah. Because if you can't agree on anything other than being free, come on here, boys. I mean, at least there's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. than the Republican Party right now. (laughs) Sorry. Yo, it is. Sorry. (laughs) It is tough to be a republican these days yeah because man. they depending on who you talk to there's like we got a few good people oh for like, sure uh, you know we got, we got a few good people in there that are that are saying the decent stuff i like ben sass a lot he's yeah he's kind of a hawkish guy when it comes to foreign policy but i like a little bit of that uh-huh. um, but for the most part he's a he's a good old boy from nebraska yeah and i follow him on on uh, twitter mm-hmm. he's hilarious he wrote a great book which I have the audiobook of. It's all about hard work and, you know, growing up in America and actually growing up to with struggle or, yeah. you know, doing things that you, you know, doing crappy farm work. Mm-hmm. Gives you character. Everybody should do stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, we got a few guys. I think Rand Paul might be, he's a little different because he's a little on the outs of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. But, and the, the, Freedom Caucus, the Freedom Caucus has gotten so corrupted. By, you know, the always Trumpers in my mind that, yeah. you know, the Freedom Caucus used to be awesome and now I'm, I'm not a big fan. Uh, but we got a few voices there, you know. I do worry about, uh, I worry about what the House is going to do with a majority. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if we brought that up in the midterms. Um, yeah, the Senate, Republicans gained two seats, Democrats lost two, and then the Democrats retook the House. <laughs> with, I mean, a relatively narrowish yeah. majority. I mean, I it's, it's a pretty like four, pretty good split right now. Yeah. yeah. Nobody has a vast majority. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now the big talk is, is Nancy Pelosi going to get the speakership again? I think she will. Yeah, she will. Um, but then 
what's the move for the right. what's the move I, you hear a lot of people talk about wanting to start the investigations mm-hmm. into the Trump administration mm-hmm. and you hear the other side saying we don't want to do that let's just let's work on our policy that we know Trump will support like infrastructure yeah. and yeah. this and the other thing um, so I'm be curious what's going to happen there but all we can really do is wait and see yep so, so do you want to uh just do a quick little fantasy jaunt, or you just want to jump out of here? I know uh, um, football's about to yeah, start. Yeah, my Seahawks so. are going to start in like eight minutes, uh, but I can do fantasy real quick. Um, Des Bryant was traded to the Saints, so Sports. that increases Drew Brees' quarterback fantasy value uh, pretty significantly. Des Bryant's a solid, solid wide receiver. Um, Ingram's fantasy points will also increase seeing as how the opposing defenses will not just have one person to target on mm. the Saints offense. Um, Traquan Smith is going to lose some fantasy value. He is not going to be the number one target for Breeze anymore because Bryant is coming in. Uh, so it will take Bryant a little bit to get used to the Saints offense, though, so mm. I don't anticipate smith's value going down within the next couple weeks but probably week three or four of bryant being with the saints we're going to see a little bit of a decrease very nice uh anyways that was kind of the big nfl news this week we're really hoping the hawks are going to beat the rams today but they are not at home yeah and it's just not our season it is. It's a rebuilding year. We'll give them that. Another one. And honestly, I'm happy with the record they have. I didn't think it was going to be as yeah. good as it is. And I have the same record in my fantasy team. So I can't talk too much trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're both we, we're both about the same, right? We're five and four. Four and five. Four I'm and four five. and five. I'm about to be five and five because I'm playing the case bowls. Oh, yeah. But he's Whatever. having an off week so far anyways. I don't, I don't know. It's still pretty early in the day, so we'll find out. But. Yeah, I mean, he always comes back, so whatever. Yeah. Case balls. Regret. I know you're listening to this. I'm coming after you one day. One day you're <laughs> going to trip up. One of us is going to beat you in the playoffs and you're going to cry. <laughs> and neither of us is, are going to feel bad. <laughs> all you need is one loss. Yeah, one dude. random fluke in of a loss. Playoffs. And right now you're holding it out for the playoffs, buddy. So we're coming for you. Coming. And on that note... Don, we miss you. We do. And I will see you next week, I'm sure. Hope you're feeling better, buddy. Happy Veterans Day. Indeed. Peace out, Girl Scout. We don't have a line. Oh, no. I didn't think about On that. On Wednesdays, I don't think we I wear would... pink. Okay. It's a good line. Thank you. We'll, we'll end it at that. <laughs> Wednesdays, we wear pink. Bye, Felicia. <laughs>